everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. And I got the really cool honor of being with our partner today. No one even knows that we have a partner, Chris. <laughs> I know. Like the, it's so exciting to be it's called super, that. It's so exciting. So um, Chris Tuff, I'm going to brag about you for a second, but feel free to drop in uh, all the uh, different things that you've done. But many people know you as the um, best-selling author from The Millennial Whisperer and more recently, Save Your Asks. It's hard for me to say that, by the way. Um, but Chris, we, he, Chris has actually been a partner of the Bulletproof uh, uh, company, the Bulletproof Dental Practice Company, for a full year now. Yeah. So uh, Chris and I have known each other a long time through uh, Peter Bolden. Um, you guys are good friends. And uh, we talked several times, but our first meeting was at our February 2020 summit in Texas. And it was uh, love at first sight, if I could say so myself. Yeah, Chris Craig, and I are. Craig, you and I are a lot alike. We're a lot alike. So, um, unlike uh, a normal podcast where there'll be a lot of riffing on me or riffing on a guest, today's all going to be love, rainbows, yeah. sunshine, and love. Because Chris and I got nothing but love for each other, and we support each other in a big way. Uh, not to knock on Peter, but uh, Peter definitely <laughs> brings the opposite energy in many situations to this. So. Chris, it's really good to finally have you on this podcast because um, you've got so much experience. You help, you've helped my team, and and frankly, you help teams all over the world. And uh, I'm just really excited for the Bulletproof audience to get to understand you and what you do and your passion and what drives you. So welcome. And, and the best thing, absolutely, and thank you for that warm welcome, uh, Craig. And you know, I think it is very you people. Whoever's listening will quickly figure out that Craig and I have an awesome rapport. And uh, you know, I think one of those things that he and I have is the we truly do want to make a difference in the world. And we do have kind of an optimistic view of the world. And, and that, that is one of the reasons why I wear bright yellow glasses and why that is kind of my, my color, if you will, because... I feel like it is my job to bring that uh, much like I feel like you do um, with your team and, and everyone around you. And it's, it's been so fun getting to know Craig and even some of the people that outside of dentistry that he surrounds himself with. Uh, he gave me a few suggestions for my next book, Save Your Asks, which is all about how to better network and sell. But really, it's about how to create better connection, much like my last book, The Millennial Whisperer. But this is connection outside of your own organization. And Craig gave me some of the best. My favorite interviews all came from Craig. So I got to give oh, you that's awesome, that buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really blessed in that I've got some amazing people in my life. And um I, uh, I guess, um, you know, it comes naturally to me. People always tell me like, I'm a, just a born like extrovert. I just like people. Uh, but you know, it doesn't come from a, a way that I, I, I'm not trying to get something from people. I'm like just genuinely interested in people. Mm -hmm. So, um, sometimes when I meet someone, especially if they're an introvert, I'll, an introvert, I'll fire off like 20 questions, like in succession, like a machine gun fire at them. But, uh, you know, I love people and, um, it's the reason why, even if I don't do dentistry, I still am in my office every single day. I'm just, but Craig, I mean, you people. do have that spot. I mean, people will ask me, okay, Chris, I've got like two minutes. How do you develop connection with people, both internally? Like, how do you create that culture? And I use you as an example, uh, not to like just this to be like a, a, a compliment session, but 
your, your ability to connect so quickly. And I use, I'll use an example of when we went to Rumi's kitchen in the middle of the pandemic, everyone. That was the uh, first time. That was the first time I ate inside. You, yeah. Chris and I were freaking out. And so Craig came up, uh, everyone can go to mighty networks and check out the videos that we recorded during that time. But as a kind of wrap session, after we got all of the content, we went to Rumi's kitchen for dinner, which is a Lebanese place uh, right uh, around Persian. the corner. Yeah, Persian. And uh, all of a sudden, I see, uh, I hear Craig speaking Persian. <laughs> and I'm like, what, where did that come from? And these waiters and waitresses were all <laughs> over our table, bringing us stuff we didn't even order, including <laughs> an epic dessert. And yeah. I was like, Craig, how, like, what are, what else do I not know about you? But I, you like, you're able to create that connection, a genuine yeah. connection, no matter, it's not just in the dental world, it's with all types and classes. And, and that is, that is the ingredients of what it takes to be a super connector. Like it, it is truly those people that can become best friends with their Uber driver, as well mm. as, you know, the president of a country or whatever it is. And, and that comes down to authenticity. But I, I think, for the sake of today's conversation, we're going to talk about culture. Is that right? Yeah, I want to, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I think that we, um, if we've said this, you know, a hundred times, we haven't said it enough because I feel like dentistry is particularly, um, we have a particular area of vulnerability in that uh, I think most business people, seasoned business people, you know, you go through your, your company, you, you, you start off at a low level position, you, you work your way up to the top. So you don't come in as like CEO director on any company, you, you work your way up. And through the process of working your way up from, let's say in a traditional company from mailroom to CEO, I guess, you, you have to learn how you occur to people. You have to become emotionally intelligent because if you're just a complete, you know, narrow-minded slave driver, you'll get your ass kicked and you won't make, you won't be promoted. There's some sort of corporate Darwinism that won't allow you to rise unless you're fit. In dentistry, however, we have a little loophole. We can get a dental license and never work a day in our life, never work with anybody. And day one, we're manager, leader, CEO, all decisions come to me. So I think that we, we have a vulnerability in dentistry in that we don't have to work our way to the top. We have to work our way academically, but that could be just being a rugged, a rugged individualist, a person that's going to get the job done. And frankly, dental school does not really require us to work well with others. In fact, if you don't work well with others, you'll probably do even better. You know, like just stick to your business. Don't talk. Don't, don't get involved in the drama. Get your wax ups done. Get your preps done. Get your requirements and get the hell out. But then you get out and you're like, I've got this team and why don't they listen? And what's wrong with millennials these days, Chris? Why do they not want to work? Yeah. What's wrong with broken work ethic? And then all that dialogue just winds up really not getting you where you want to go. And I think there's a lot, that's one of the major reasons why there's so much unfulfillment in dentistry. Hmm. And Chris, I'm going to kind of just talk about your mission statement. I, you know, you know, you got a great mission statement when your friends know it. And I know it by heart, Chris is, uh, and I'm going to say it, it's, Chris's mission is to inspire and connect. And I know it. I just know it like literally off the cuff. We didn't talk about it before we went live on this. I just know it because you say it so much. And what a great reset for you that we know what you're about and you know what you're about. Yeah. So if you don't mind, before we get started in the culture thing, what does that mission, pardon me, mean to you? And most importantly, why does it matter to us? Yeah, I mean, and I, I, 
Okay. Well, first of all, let me ground it in what uh, all the uh, dentists want to hear, which is I've learned dentistry over the last year. And I have had the absolute privilege of learning that with a mastermind, the bulletproof mastermind, which I kind of was brought in. I mean, to be in all, all, all honesty, kind of is like a, a fly in the wall to make sure that I could uh, bring some of these culture pieces to the conversations with the 17 dentists that we worked with over the last year. And what it evolved to was, well, one, I love dentists, like, cause, and there's a reason why, because they are entrepreneurs, most of them true and true. And they walk the talk. They, especially with the mastermind, we're, we're seeing the top, you know, 0.1%. So it's the best of the best. And everyone shows up ready to learn and be somewhat vulnerable. Um, but then also just within dentistry, there's so many different personalities that I feel like with a few tweaks and a few changes, I can truly have impact in line with my whole mission to inspire and connect, which I never expected before, right? People will, from afar, they're like, Chris, you're an advertising guy. You know, you're, you're that social media. I, I understand the marketing stuff, but like, what are you doing talking to dentists? And I explained to them some of the examples, which we're going to talk about today, Craig. And that's what gets me so fired up because going back to my mission statement, my mission statement is to inspire and connect. And one of the best things that happened to me four and a half years ago was I hit my rock bottom. And in that rock bottom moment, I changed my metric of success from beating my brothers in the game of life, which is a horrible metric of success, to just having an impact on any given day. And I've always known that during that time, my job, why I was put on this earth is to inspire and connect. And I go all the way back to my third grade report card. The only good thing on it was Chris's, uh, Chris's enthusiasm is contagious. And like, that was the first really foundation that I've kind of built upon year after year. And now I've really found my stride, obviously publishing a book that, you know, sold, you know, whatever, a hundred, over a hundred thousand copies, but where I can apply it to dentists, uh, across many different sizes and stages, as well as Nike. Like that is, that is my, that is my purpose that, I think it's also important to know my intentions and Craig, you know, this and the mastermind knows this, my, my intentions aren't to make a bunch of money or to become famous. It truly is to have that impact, to, to hit that success metric of having impact on, on a daily basis. And so what I would love to talk about today, Craig, uh, which is your specialty, right? Um, is, is how do you motivate engage and create genuine connections with all of your people, regardless of what generation they're a part of. Love it. Uh, I, there's two things that you said that I want to just pick up on um, and talk about, because I think there's two pearls that were hidden in there. You said you know, my, my desire went from beating my brothers, you know, or becoming more successful than my brothers. Then I, I essentially think it was like adding value every day or helping every day. Yeah. So like, you know, day. before I ever, you know, whenever I was not feeling great about what I had to offer, like I, I remember lecturing early in my career and, and say, and, and, you know, I wanted to blow it out of the water and all this stuff. And then I would change my definition just to help just one person. So if you can inspire or help one person, if you could just do something on one given day, it makes the definition so much easier of success. And I think a lot of us are chasing fool's gold because we've just haven't defined it. Mm. You know, we haven't defined what a, what a win is. 
And we therefore we're never happy because a win is always changing. We, we've never put pen to paper or really define the, the goal. That's one thing. And the next thing um, that you were talking about and actually just slipped my mind, um, but it was, I think it was about, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's all good. Yeah, that's the, and by the way, you'll all notice this when, when Chris and I are on the phone, we're like, yeah, me too. Yeah. High five, buddy. You're great. And then by the end of it, we're like, what did we just talk about? But, um, no, but, 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 um, uh, um, oh yeah, you said something else you said and motivate people. Yeah. And then that was like a little red flag that went off. Cause one of the, you know, the areas that I have an Achilles, you know, my Achilles heel is I, I see what's possible for people oftentimes more than they see it for themselves. So I can, I have a unique gift. I suppose it's a gift or a curse, depending on how you look at it. It's a gift when people want to see it as well, but I could actually see pathways to success for most people. And when people don't want it for themselves, that's when I guess, quote, motivation comes in. What I've learned is if you want something more than someone else wants it, it's not good for them. As a father, as a parent, um, I see what's possible for my children you know, my son in baseball or something like that, but I don't want them to do it if they don't see it for themselves. So uh, I'm very careful about uh, recognizing that you and I, uh, uh, with all of our myriad of gifts and, and unique abilities, we can't motivate anybody. Um, we can't, it's just not possible. People have to be internally motivated. They have to be hungry. They have to want something, you know, guys, uh, your, your best friends can't, or your, even your parents can't do what they, what you make you do what you want. Sure. You have to want it. Well, I, I think the other side of that, Craig, is that we've got to also do what we were born to do, right? I mean, yeah. Naval says it best, right? And 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 there's some quote from Naval, but it, it's essentially that, like, figure out what it was that you were born to do and then just yeah. double down on that. And yeah, he says and there's two, every man lives two lives. Um, the first, the the one life before and the, the life after you figure out what you were born to do. You know, exactly. Like yeah. But, and I look at so many of these dentists and- Especially, I mean, even if you look at the, the, uh, the, the life of or the story arc of every single person in the mastermind, they arrive like with just, we're going to tackle everything, right? And we're going to do everything from marketing to motivating our people to, you know, buying real estate to crypto, like crazy, right? Yeah. And it's what, what I, what I, what I saw in terms of a general theme of evolution transpire was, uh, Dwight's a great example was it's actually more than anything. It, it was a lesson in delegating the stuff that you weren't born to do and really getting out of the way and not being the, the bottleneck there. And, and, and I use that as an example, Craig, with, especially with connection, right? There are, at least 50% of dentists aren't really naturally wired to be connection people. I would say right? more than 50%. Probably but, more than, yeah. right? And and so what, what I want to make sure comes through in, in this podcast is that, how, like, go ahead and find that yin or yang. Find your Craig or your Chris at your practice to do that side of it. And then, and you focus on the cases or the business side and, and, you know, where it is that you need to be going while, you know, using them to really develop more of that connection with your employees. Cause you, you can't do all of these things. And if connection doesn't come naturally to you, that is okay. You know, you can, you uh, even EQ, right. Some people just aren't introverts, aren't as uh, inclined to, create a connection with their employees. Right. And so what I'm using this as an example on is that 
we should rely on other people within our practices to help motivate and create that connection versus relying on ourselves to do everything. Yeah. But before you get to that point though, and this is important about the culture, um, I see uh, there was a comment on the mighty network. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I'll just remind everybody it's bulletproof.dental. It's a conversation that's continually going on for between all of us. Chris is on there. Peter and I are on there and our own, our own, our, all of our uh, people that, you know, we, we, we trust are really on there. And there's continuing conversations. There was one that was going on about like, Hey, I don't know where the woman lives, um, but it's not in the States. It was like, Hey, I need specific advice. No one really cares. All these people, they don't have a good work ethic. It was really like, all I could kept thinking about is like this, this symbol, you know, there's one finger pointing out and there's whatever you you know, when you, you make that for those of you who are listening and not watching, I'm doing, I'm pointing. And when you point, and you go ahead and point if you're in the car and you can drive safely with one hand, when you're pointing outward, there's always three fingers pointing right back at you. And now that I've almost taken 50 trips around the sun, I'll be 50 in August, it's starting to dawn on me that I am most likely the problem. Because what will wind up happening is the same types of conflicts keep showing up in my life. And the one commonality is I am there as well. What's up, Tommy? Breed love in the background. Tommy. Get big shout out to another world-class author. Um, you wrote here, the podcast you as well. Hi. So Tommy Breedlove uh, wrote uh, Legendary. So I'll give you a shout out there. Say hi, Tommy. What's up, brother? This is You're like an author, podcast. an author's oh, conference. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have a great one. Hey, get Michael Crichton <laughs> over here. Who else do we got? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, the one commonality is me. So we we see these conversations and, uh, you know, there was one on the Mighty Network that happened. It was like, yeah, my people, my people, my people. And I think what has to happen before you can be the leader you want to be is you have to shift your psychology around it, which is actually really hard. I'd love to give you the five steps to creating an iconic culture and possibly could get to that list by the end. But the first thing you have to do is you have to shift your mindset because in dentistry, what's pervasive is no one cares as much as I do. Oh, these hygienists are only caring about this and they want hazard pay and assistants don't show up and no one cares. So if people feel what you believe, and if your belief system is such that you're the only one who can get things done and you're surrounded by morons, you are radiating nonverbal dialogue to them. You're morons. So you actually have to believe it first. Hey, I've got capable people and nothing works better in my opinion than a really authentic, transparent conversation of like, Hey team, I went to dental school you know, gather up all your people. I went to dental school and, you know, I get a little excited about certain things and, you know, I just really want this practice to work, but I never got leadership training. So I care about this place. I care about our patients and I care about you, you guys, but, you know, give me a little bit of grace because I'm learning just like the rest of you. Help me see what I don't see. Help me, you know, if you see a bottleneck in the practice that there's a system or protocol that's not serving our business, not helping us make money or creating friction for our patient, I want to talk about that. Instead, what most dentists feel is I have to have all the answers. I got it at dental school. I'm the leader. And they chew up a lot of the, the time rather than learn, listening. They do a lot of the talking, I think. Well, you know, and, and I think, um, and, and I unfortunately in dentistry too, Chris, and I, I probably have talked to you about this. It's like when, when you have an, an, an engaged team member and they start speaking or they start giving you suggestions, oftentimes they may be met with, um, well, what dental school did you go to, mm. you know, or, or who, who made you fit? Because they're insecure. They don't, want, they don't want strong people around them. So I think it takes a certain level of understanding. And frankly, I was not there for many years of my career. So yeah. this was not automatic to me when I get scared and I'm fearful and I'm not a good leader. And I, I would get upset at people and people would walk out of here crying 
So I'd love to tell you it was always, you know, you know, unicorns and sunshine. It was not. So I think there's a little bit of discovery that a person has to have as well. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point, which I mean, I, uh, it's autonomy. And if you look at even from a generational standpoint, what millennials and Gen Zers want more than anything else is they want inspirational leadership. Number one, they want autonomy and they want transparency. And if you look at how all of that leads to culture, great culture is a byproduct of great leadership. And it comes from your people. Right. And I want everyone to hear that culture comes from the, all of those team members that make up your practice there. It's not coming from you. And so what they need from you is to Craig's point is, is that autonomy, but what, one of the biggest, like if you could walk away with anything today, what I want everyone to hear is that connection with your people is, is more important than ever before. And uh, one of my favorite tactics, and, and we saw this play out with the mastermind as we talked about that connection, I call it the art of the flyby and how you create in your practice that connection is with your team is to go and do a flyby at, at least once a week. And I like to do it on Mondays. And it's also why I encourage everyone to follow their team on social media. So you can go by Meg's desk and say, Meg, that, that, that kitten you adopted is so cute. Tell me more about it. And Meg's going to be like, Oh my gosh, Dr. Dr. Spodak actually cares about me. Wow. Like, how awesome is that? And, and Tish was the great example. Tish heard this. Tish Nahatna, yeah. Yeah. I mean, amazing dentist from, uh, from outside of Boston. Yeah. Such a great guy. And he's one of those people. Why I love dentists so much is like Tish, because he takes these ideas and he implements them. And what he did was he actually moved his desk to be right next to, or his office to be right next to the punch clock. So it forced the art of the flyby to transpire. So every day, at least once a day, as people were stamping their, you know, the, uh, their, their time, time in, time out, he could say, Hey, well, Hey, so how was your weekend? Like, what, tell me what's going on with you. And it was such a brilliant uh, tactic to this idea of the art of the flyby. And that's my long window way of just especially from a generational standpoint, I, I hear time and time again, these dentists struggle with high turnover or not able to recruit top talent. And if you really dig back into the essence of, or the nexus of all of that stuff, it, there, there's generally a huge need for connection. All right, new for 2021, we want to invite everyone listening to join us on our private network. It's free to join. Join the conversation at bulletproof.dental. You can even download it in the app store. Just look for the Mighty Network app and you can download it there. But just point your browser to bulletproof.dental and join and sign up and start collaborating on um, some of the ideas we discuss on the podcast. Um, There's content there to download and um, it's all designed to help grow and stimulate us together. Hope everyone has a great day. Tell me why, why do millennials prefer autonomy? What does that mean? Not in a dental specific example, but what does that mean to a millennial? Like, give me what they're yeah. looking for. Well, in the I mean, I, the, the example I used, and I struggled with this in writing the book because I feel it's one of the most uh, misinterpreted terms when, when you hear as 
a leader in your practice or a dentist that people want autonomy, uh, your immediate translation of that probably isn't what it is that they are wanting. So I'm and, glad we're talking about it. So tell yeah. me what it is. So I, I, in this process of writing the book, I went to Google mm-hmm. and I looked up the number one boss for millennials, because I'm sure it exists somewhere out there. And sure enough, Forbes magazine called this guy, Ben Kirshner out of Philadelphia, who had a, a, an agency of a thousand people, the number one boss for millennials. And when I got him on the phone, I said, all right, Ben. What did he do? He, provide free avocado toast or even yeah, better? Yeah. Amongst other things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one of the, the, the pieces that he did do really well was he practiced autonomy. I said, Ben, tell me about autonomy. Like, tell me what that means. And he said, Chris, have you ever heard of the campaign that Under Armour did protect this house? I was like, yeah. uh, no, uh, uh, kind of maybe, but tell me about it. He was like, well, Under Armour did this campaign and it, it was all about protecting this house. And the first thing I ask anyone is, do you have a house worth protecting? Is your practice worth protecting? Do you have a culture that's worth protecting? Are people going to take action on your behalf when you tell them to protect this house? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, if you have a house worth protecting, you got to remind them at every single turn. And so what I do, Chris, whether it be unlimited paid vacation, which we have, uh, or if it's something as simple as, uh, you know, rewards and recognition, I tell them it is up to them to protect this house. So on unlimited paid vacation, when someone leaves, it's up to them to figure it out. I no longer have to do that. And so in turn, you get this, uh, this kind of empowerment and autonomy that transpires that really deep down as humans, it's, it's, it's what we all want. The worst thing we can do is just tell people what to do. Those days are gone. Yep. And so one of my favorite examples is that idea. And you know, we've talked a lot about it within the mastermind. What does protect your house look like? And, and how can you continually remind your uh, everyone on the team to do that. But um, it's such an important piece. Yeah, I think that I, I want to add on to the autonomy thing too. And, and, you know, if that's what people are looking for, and I agree with you, they want it, they want to look, they are looking for that. I think that one of the things we're guilty in dentistry is we, we try to standardize our people to such a high degree and most, most uh, dentists are so high detail oriented, like they want their cotton rolls set up a certain way on the train. They want their phones answered. There's a lot of consultants out there that want your front administrative people to be scripted, literally reading off a script. So autonomy is, in, in my definition for, for what, what I think we find successful in our practice, is we tell the team we, what result we want to get to. And the process to which they get that result is up to them. So we don't want to own the process. We just want the result. So the result might be to have every single patient that's on our schedule show up to their appointment. Whereas a process would be call everybody three times, leave a voicemail. If no voicemail, do this, then add this, then add a credit card. And I just think it's really important that we focus on the result versus just the process. Mm. And I think that provides a high degree of autonomy. Um, and I, I've, you know, when you really clamp down on people and you make them scared, they lose their autonomy, they lose their creativity. And if you don't foster those types of things, uh, a supportive environment for the team, they'll shut down. They won't bring their whole 
potential to their office. Well, you know, I go into a lot of places, you know, whether they be restaurants or other, you know, work places of business and the people are just shut down. You don't feel them. And the energy people, people are very susceptible to energy. If your energy, if your culture is bad, it really is a, just a great way of saying your energy sucks. Think DMV. It's not an uplifting experience to go to the DMV. And most people that go to the DMV aren't actually scared to go. But whereas most people that go to our offices, especially a new patient, are scared of us. Am I going to physically be okay? Is it going to cause me pain? So it's even more important, I think, in a dental office where people can't relative, uh, rel relatively quickly perceive the value that we give. They, they are inferring value. So perceived value is culture dependent. Yeah. And, and I think one theme that we saw transpire through the year within the mastermind and everyone's individual practices was the theme of uh, the impact of bad seeds on culture. And yes. you, uh, there was a dependency on certain individuals within teams that these doctors were apprehensive to let go of them. And then when they did take action with a lot of discussion and advice from people like Craig and myself, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like this whole darkness has been lifted. And, and oh. one of the best ways to uphold a good culture once you have it is to push it on your people to uphold it. And so when yeah. there's a bad culture fit, it's not up to you to just get rid of them. It's you, you say it's up to them to protect this house and then spit out the bad seeds, call them out yeah. on it. I know. And don't get in the way of that process. I've, I've, you know, early on in my career and maybe not so in the, in the far distant past, there were conversations because I like people and like there'd be the, you know, the hygiene, for example, the hygiene team, for example, had this one hygienist here and they just all couldn't get along with her. But of course she was really nice to me. You know, she bought me a bottle of wine. She's super nice. She's a great employee. And I decided to just let the team handle it. And that was such a stellar, pardon me, improvement for our culture. Like let the team, when the team cares, you, you have a protected business. You have a business that doesn't require your help. Right now in my own business, I feel less involved and, and, and less nervous about it and, and less concerned because everybody else is so concerned about it, which is great. That's exactly where you want to arrive to. You want to arrive to it, having a team. But if you feel like you're the only one holding the bag and doesn't feel good and no one cares, that's something that you have to cultivate. It's not that I found magical people and everything became great. It's just, I got my butt kicked so many times. I'd be like, aha, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. I mean, I remember Chris going up to people and like just walking up and saying like, Hey, and they didn't see me coming. And they're like, Oh my God, you scared me. Like I would scare people. If you're scaring people and they, they have no other reason to be scared, you know, like it, not jumping out around a corner, but I would like come up to people and they'd be scared. And I'm like, okay, this, this means something, I guess maybe I'm not as approachable as I think. So, you know, it's just a good way to kind of recognize what, what's going on. So well, give I me think, another. Right. So, okay. Let's, let's hit upon also subcultures, because I think that's also important. A lot of dentists feel like you have to be one size fits all and that there's one culture for Spodak dental, for example. And one thing that we've seen play out that is the healthiest is when you allow not only for the culture to take hold, but also for subcultures to thrive. So it's okay for your front office 
and your doctors and your hygienists to have subcultures within that. And, and one tactic to promote that is give small budgets to the leaders of each one of those teams to do the things to bring everyone together. And that's, I think, letting subcultures thrive, allow the overall practice to thrive from a culture perspective. Right. And they can all add to each other, the individual teams. It's true. You know, the hygiene team has its own thing. And um, I I agree with you on that. So what else, when, when people say like, oh, you know, God, these millennials, they don't have the same work ethic and, and, and just, it's so hard these days to find people to care about, you know, their jobs. What is the other thing that jumps out of your head? We got, we got autonomy. So, Um, so, I mean, from, so, I mean, you've got uh, inspirational leadership, autonomy and transparency and, you know, transparency, if we were to dissect that one, a lot of people misinterpret that to be vulnerability. And although vulnerability, I think is important, that's not what they are craving with that. They, nor are they looking for financial transparency. You don't have to go and show what everyone is making and, and where your profits are. What they want from transparency, Craig, is context. Why are you making the decisions that you are making? Why did you invest in one machine versus another? Why are you doubling down on training for certain people and not others? The more context you can give them, the better they will actually nod along and say, that makes perfect sense. It's when you don't have that that context or transparency that they're like, well, I don't know why. Well, you jump to conclusions because, you know, because of this, that, or the other. So transparency, I think is, needs to be interpreted in the right way. And and how I interpret that, especially from millennials and Gen Zers is they just want context. And so the more that you can create that big picture of everything that's going on, the better everyone will be. And I also see transparency in, in, when you don't know, letting people don't know, you don't know as well. Yeah. Like, you know, Hey, I think, I think people of all, uh, of all demographics and, and generations appreciate just transparency in the face of like, like being authentic, like, Hey guys, I haven't done this before. This is the largest team I've ever had. You know, I've always had a team of three now we're eight, or I've always had eight now we're 20, or I've never been a boss, mm. you know, but one thing I know is I've been, you know, I'm, I'm learning and I want to get better and I'm nothing's ever you know, I didn't go to boss's school or management leadership school. I think those conversations, especially, you know, I've had a lot of those resets. Some of the mastermind clients that came in a year ago were like, you know, our team, you know, our team doesn't feel love. I'm like, okay, well, whose fault is that? You know, what have you, what are you doing? What's going on? And having that reset, like, Hey guys, you know, I'm busy. I'm doing my thing. COVID hit. It's time to reset that. So I think transparency and not only why you make decisions, but when you don't know what's going on as much, I mean, obviously you don't want to say things like, Hey, I don't know. I'm going to pay you next month. You know, there's certain things that as business owners, we've all had those conversations when the, when things got tight, they yep. don't need to know everything, but just like when you do mess up or something's going on, letting people know that you don't always have all the answers and you're learning. People give a lot of grace and forgiveness to that. Yeah. And, and so kind of going into transitioning into the inspirational leadership, you know, the best thing, what I love about inspirational leadership is if you ask any dentist, if they're inspirational, most of them will say, yeah, I'm inspirational. Like people light up when I have my all hands meeting, people like laugh and blah, blah, blah. And, and the truth of the matter is, is the, it's, it's a small percentage that are actually inspirational. And there are different tactics or components that you can start implementing to help you be more inspirational. And one of those is 
rewards and recognition, right? Those are one of those traits. And especially from a generational standpoint, you look at a generation that has been a product of participation trophies, snowplow parenting, et cetera. There's a reason why they show up quote unquote needy because they are, because they've been conditioned to it. So what they're expecting from you as not only the doctor, but also their boss is a little bit of that rewards and recognition along the way. Uh, and that you can blame their parents uh, for that one. And so what are some of those things that we can start implementing? And I use SDG bucks or Spodak uh, or, or um, the, um, what's, what are Pete's? ADS bucks. bucks. ADS bucks as one of my favorite examples for peer-to-peer recognition. Uh, and I think you also need a top-down recognition. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, or we haven't talked about it in quite quite a while, and not kind of a summit. Be it, that system is designed um, where when a certain reward is hit, everybody gets handed out. Um, for those of you who are actually watching right now on on video, the, uh, a fifty-dollar bill is handed out, um, and on the back, uh, it's redeemable. Um, to for only experiences so first of all it's given out to team members and the team member must pass it away to another team member and you have to write the reason why you passed it out and it's not redeemable for cash you have to redeem it for experience because you know if if you know if you got a hundred to three hundred dollars sent to a team member most likely it'll go to a bill to pay off a bill rather this is designed to be rewarded for an experience because you'll never forget an experience. Many people that work in our dental offices may not be making the appropriate amount of money that they could actually take a vacation or actually afford to get a, a spa day. So this is a way to incentivize them to do that. And uh, it's interesting because uh, it, it works really in an interesting way because when people get rewards from a peer, it feels so much better than being rewarded by the boss. Mm. So there's something very special about having a group of your peers hand them. And it's interesting also that some people in my office have literally thousands of dollars of accumulated SDG bucks and others have none. And it's such an interesting mirror to show people like, why do you think these people are getting it? So it's those that are most helpful and self-correcting. Yeah. Self-correcting. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's just, whereas with, you know, you think of work as like almost like parenting, you know, like the two, the you have two kids, so you know what this is like, you know, so-and-so pulled my hair and then you, they come running to you or your wife and like, you have to sort it all out. And depending on how convincing they are, one of the siblings can get in trouble, even though they may not have been the wrongdoer. So work is kind of like that too. Like, you know, yeah. so I'm unboxing the box and Cindy never helps, but like all of a sudden you institute a policy where it's peer-to-peer recognition. And I do this with my kids too. Like I'll tell my kids, like if one of you is punished, both of you are punished or both of you are rewarded. They tend to self-correct. Yeah. And I don't want to insult the team because they're not kids, but humans were interesting creatures. And when we're judged by a jury of our peers, we tend to be a little bit more careful with how we behave versus uh, our boss. And another take on this might sound daunting to those listening. It's like, oh, I got to create a, it's like, okay, just try something first. And it's interesting because a lot of people think my way of doing peer-to-peer recognition is super cheesy. But so I was sharing this with the mastermind and I was telling all these dentists that I start my all hands meetings with what I call snaps, where I'll say, I'll start it off. And I'll say, all right, everyone, thanks for coming. I just want to be the first to give snaps to Craig. He really pushed himself out of his comfort zone and presented to that big group, even though he doesn't like presenting to groups, snaps to Craig. And then everyone starts giving snaps to one another. 
And so, and I'll tell them, you know, that the whole purpose of this is to encourage each other and to recognize someone else. And what happens is you end up covering a lot of the stuff that you would in like a status report naturally in a way that actually gets everyone fired up and excited. Um, But the other thing that happens is that everyone leaves with like a pep in their step. Oh yeah. And, and you, I remember when Trey was like, so Trey called Trey Miller out of Charlotte, amazing young dentist who, I, I mean, I can't say enough. I, I want to give a little context for Trey too. Yeah, please. Trey was the one. So we took on 16 mastermind uh, people. We, we limited it to a number of, a certain number of people. We sold everybody. We sold it out at our master at our summit uh, in February. No one knew COVID was coming. At least at that point, Trey was the one guy who ponied up and paid for this uh, investment and didn't have a practice yet. His practice hadn't opened. So we've got guys out there that are, that are doing well. They're successful. They wanted to double down. They wanted to learn a diff- to a different level. But given a shout out to Trey Miller, because he literally did not have a practice. So he had a Bank of America loan to buy the chairs and everything. He's like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just borrow money or, fi- or spend money I don't yet have because he's going to, he's like, you know what? I'll rather figure out people who've been here before. So what I mean, and he kicked ass. Wow. I'm yeah, so proud of no him. So go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and no surprise. Trey crushed it. But, you know, it was interesting uh, as he was trying to implement some of these strategies with his brand new team. I think at that point, it was right towards the beginning of him opening up uh, his office and he had two people on the team. And he's like, Chris, I, I, I've got a, a tactic that I think is working. And what I do is I play. Uh, Shaka Khan's uh, tell me something good. Yeah, 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 and I yeah. just pull up the YouTube video and I play it as loud as I can in the office. And that means everyone needs to come in for the all hands meetings. And then I start it off and say, all right, everyone, I'm going to tell you something good. And what yeah. this week, this week blank did blank and blank. And that has now become his rendition of kind of this peer-to-peer recognition. And I, I told Trey, I told Trey, I was like, I'm going to start using that as an example in all my speeches because it's so good. Right. Yeah, so we do, we do the same thing every single day. We start off with kudos and I'll tell you what, it was hard work at first. Imagine like, Hey, anything happened, you know, imagine on a Monday, like today, is there kudos from Thursday or Friday of last week? And it, I would even say it took so long to get it to be habit. It would literally be crickets. And I'd have to say things like nothing good happened. Is there anything we can kudos each other for? Nothing. And now kudos consistently takes, there's never one or two, but granted we have a larger team, you know, 30, 40 people in a room, but it's never one or two and it's never under five minutes. And it's almost like, Hey, sorry, sorry. I just want to acknowledge Jennifer. She stayed late and blah, 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 blah. And I want to acknowledge all the doctors for doing this. It's just, it's contagious. And that what you appreciate appreciates. So, you know, your team is your largest percentage of your PL. You know, if your if your Panorex or your comb beam or your Sarek was not working properly, if it was only working on half the capacity, you'd be freaking out. So your team is, if you're doing it right, is like 25% of your PL. There's no other expense that large. And what you you can actually turn that human capital into a better working piece of machinery. So what you appreciate appreciates. And that is something if you're not doing that uh, in your morning huddles, starting off with the kudos or recognition program or snaps or tell me something good, whatever you want to call it, start tomorrow. Mm. Start tomorrow. Do do nothing else but that. Wouldn't you yeah. say, Chris? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, we, we, absolutely. Yeah, if, absolutely. If, if you just disregard everything we've spoken about on this on this podcast thus far and just did that, that would be worth it. Well, and I, and I told a lot of dentists this is that the worst thing that you can do is nothing. 
yeah. just do something and try yeah. it out. Give it a little bit of time. And if it doesn't work, move on to the next. And also so, tell them like, hey, I'm trying something out. Right. I listened to Chris and Craig the other day. You don't know who they Don't worry about it. I'm just going to try this out. Just start every morning with a little bit of appreciation. And you start, you go first. Yeah. Hey, I yeah. appreciate, hey, Diane, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, that you took the call over the weekend, you helped that patient with their toothache or whatever. There's always something, you know, what is good is, there's always something good to find. Well, and the RO people will ask me, so what's the ROI of that stuff? And I'll tell them, well, you know, all those people that are coming to you for pay raises or some sort of promotion or whatever it is, that is, that's just a sign that they don't feel connected or appreciated by you. Right. And so go ahead and work on this other stuff and you won't have to be dependent on job promotions. Cause that's really the only time that they could get that bolt of recognition. And so instead lay down the expectations with what it takes for every single role at your org, at your practice, and then put it out there and, and set the expectations that it's going to take them a year and a half to get to that next level. Once you have set that, you then work on the stuff that gives them that jolt of appreciation yep. as well as, you know, one thing we work with a lot of the practices on is like a bonus program, right? So yep. instead of being dependent on salaries, and on these other things, make everyone a part of very specific goals and incentivize them for it. Yeah. Erica's going to be speaking about that at our summit. Like she awesome. has a slide deck and I want to blow it, but a little preview, she's like talking about like how to go to your, to, to the boss for a raise. Like, don't, don't say I've been sitting here for the same year or gas is now more expensive or I bought a new car. That's a you problem. Like it has to be a win-win. You get raises by becoming more valuable. And here's the ways you become more valuable. So I think it's really important to talk about that. But also when you talk about the ROI of appreciation, I, I do believe that, you know, appreciation, there's more people, you know, there's more thirst for appreciation than there is for, or there's more hunger for appreciation than there is for bread. I mean, that's a Mother Teresa quote. People need appreciation. There's a paucity of it, especially, you know, in our, in, in, in our society these days. But the real ROI, the greatest ROI for appreciating people is how it makes you feel. So let's just say the team is still going to ask you for raises and it falls on deaf ears. When you appreciate something, when you're actually a participant in the act of appreciating something, you feel better. And when you feel better, you have a better day. So I, when I drop my kids off to school in the morning, the common theme that I'll always say is if you want more love, you got to give love. If you want more appreciation, you have to appreciate things. And it's just this, the secret of life that if you appreciate things, they wind up it winds up making you feel great. So just for the sake of your own peace of mind, your own happiness, other, other than anybody else's, giving love and appreciation feels great. Go ahead and call or text two or three of your friends, your mother, your uncle, anybody. Just tell them, hey, just thinking about you. I appreciate you. You do that with me, Chris, all the freaking time. And you know, MP, I'm, MP. you're, yeah. you, uh, you, you, uh, you accept it a little bit uh, faster than Pete does. Pete's like, really? <laughs> It'll be like, what do you want? No, I'm kidding. No. See what no. happens, Pete, when you don't want to go on the podcast, you get, you, you're not here to defend yourself. He's got to be here. <laughs> no, yeah. but it is true. I mean, and then the last, I mean, I'll, I'll leave everyone with one last tidbit, which is from an organizational standpoint, from your practice, if you go through statistics, what kind of, especially with the changing generation and you all are seeing it happen uh, with millennials and Gen Zers entering your workforce in droves, 
you know, the first thing that they're looking for you from an organization, it hasn't changed from generation to generation. It's paying benefits. The second thing is new, which is even before the pandemic hit, it was work flexibility yep. and work flexibility. Now the pandemic's hit. The, the, that was the catalyst for allowing people to work from home. And you all are in this place where that can never be a reality. And Craig, well, I'd love to you, for you to level tackle it can, this one. But yes. But to, to some level. So I want to, you got to understand that all of your, your, the people on your team are going and hanging out with their friends that now have this newfound flexibility. And, and they're thinking about how that then can apply to your practice. So Craig, talk about, and I think you did this really well with the mastermind, but talk to everyone listening about how you can compete for a little bit more of that work yeah. flexibility within your practices. So, so I want everybody in my practice to think like a business owner. They're all intimately familiar with the things that we're using on a practice level, services, vendors that we're using. And, and I always tell people, if, it can, if you can create a win-win-win, so if we have an insurance verification service, for example, and we're spending X dollars, $100 a month on it, and you feel like you could take that project on your own, on your own time, and you do it for a fixed amount, let's say $75, you could do it just as good. And the team thinks it's just as good. And we, we're, this is just an experiment. We're not giving you this job, but for, for eight weeks, try to do this service on your own time on the weekends, after hours, whatever. And you can get you know, $75 instead of the hundred. It's a win-win. If you do it well, it's, we save the business money which means the business can pay, you know, make more money. It gets you, a, a, you can have a side gig or a side hustle and it's, you know, good for it, it, it. It's a better result. So those are just little things that we think about, like, or answering service, you know, we're paying some answering service. I'm like, Hey, do you guys want to take a cell phone and you guys want to manage this and have the side job? Or do you want to do, do you want to do our AR? Do you, do you want to do our cleaning of our office? You know, we're paying a cleaning crew blank dollars. Do, do you guys want that? You have a better understanding of our sensitive equipment, not to spray Windex on our sensors and stuff like that. Like I'd rather you guys do it. And if they say, yeah, it's not going to be that we pay you more, but we'll pay you less than they'd pay. And that's good for you. If it's good for you and good for the business, why not do it? And those are the types of conversations that it light people up. Cause like, okay, well, it's really up to me then, you know, I could do this. Do you want to learn how to CEREC design and scan? You know, so it's those types of conversations and, um, and there are ways to answer the phone and there's ways to, you know, do things on your own time confirming patients. Maybe you have a, a very, you're, you're seeing a, a very poor uh, or a very high cancellation rate on a Monday morning and Monday mornings are the worst. Maybe you, one of your team members for uh, can clock in for an hour on Sunday afternoon and, and confirm appointments on Sunday. Who knows? So, social media marketing is one of the social media great market. things. Yeah. You've got uh, someone on your team. I can almost right. guarantee you yeah, that under 35 crushes it on Instagram. Well, the funny thing is take it over for your firm. Yeah. You have somebody in your office practice. If they're under the age of 35, that they are on social media almost the entire day. It's just not your social media. They're on, they're on their own. So find that person and just say, Hey, by the way, like in my office, you're, I don't like it when people don't have their phones. Like there's content being driven out of my office at all times on our internal Facebook page and external. Like I've had people say to me like, Oh, how do you get people not to use their phones? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I, I want to lock people's phones up in the morning so they don't, they're not texting or on social media during work. I'm like, that's like, that's like depriving oxygen for a millennial. Even for guys like you and me, our phones are never far away. So 
I don't know. It's just an idea that uh, if you can't control it, don't try to control it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so how do you want to leave people with? Uh... Well, I want to leave it uh, with this. You know, um, Chris, you're speaking at our summit. Um, I want your voice more on this podcast. So uh, I'm officially making the introduction to the Bulletproof audience to have you here. You, you've got so much to say and so much to give. Your heart's in the right place. You always want to, I mean, talk about a guy paying it forward, you know, early on, just to, just to show that you always take your own words. You came on board like, hey guys, I just want to add value. We'll figure it out later. It wasn't like, hey, what can I do for you? It was always like, let me just add value. I want to be here. I want to add value. I want to inspire and connect people. And that's just, that's the energy that most people need to have. And that, that's how you can make magic. So you're going to be a frequent um, uh, narrator in this podcast, but also I want to invite the people to please go and get tickets for the summit. We're nearly sold out. We've never sold this many tickets yeah. this early out. Still got three months to go or what is it? Yeah. Three months. But to it's go. like, it's something like 20, there are only like 20 something tickets left. I don't know how many there are, but we're going to sell out. And I, I just think that dollar for dollar, it's the best money you can, you can spend. Um, people are craving in-person uh, events and uh, I'm really excited about what we're bringing. I know that uh, Brittany and Sharice at the, on the hygiene side are crushing it. Erica, office manager and team, you know, you can go off to your own dental convention as a dentist. You can have your office manager go to ADOM and be with a bunch of office managers. You can have your hygienist go to some hygiene convention and your assistants go to somewhere else. And you all get excited at different times for different reasons. There's not anybody and I'm, that I'm aware of, and please comment below on this podcast if you know somebody, where there's an immersive summit for the entire office because there's something magical that happens when everybody's fired up in the same direction at the same time, you can create massive action from that versus, you know, someone go, going off. So I'm, I'm imploring you guys to go. We do this because we really feel like we can help. And uh, Chris, you'll be there. Um, Brittany, Sharissa, Erica, of course, Dr. Bolden and the whole gang, Tim McNamara, Peter Maluk speaking from creative planning. This is a guy that uh, speaks on stages of thousands. So I'm fired up, um, but don't wait. Cause everybody uh, always texts me like at the end, like, Oh, can I get a ticket? I'm like, no, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard limit. So uh, don't delay enroll right away. And um, Chris, I appreciate you being here. I want to yeah. give you an opportunity to close out as well, but yeah. it's fun doing this with you and uh, you keep reinventing, re reminding me of the meaning that we have here. So thanks for, for being sure. here with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, how I'll leave everyone is just do something right. And uh, do something differently this week, see what takes, what doesn't, and then move on to the next. And uh, if anyone, I mean, you know, just get in touch with me at tough two, two T U F F T for Tom, you F for Frank, F for Frank two, two on Instagram. I can send you a free book or whatever you want. Um, I'll send you the PDF. Uh, once again, I just want to help spread the impact and we'll see everyone in Austin. So it, it'll be a blast. Yeah, it will be. I'm looking forward to uh, all being in person. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if that resonated with anybody, please comment. Uh, I think you have to say smash the like button. Is that what it is, Chris? Yeah, I feel like that's so right. Old. That's right. No, that's I, I can't even say things like that, by the way. Yeah, that, don't that do was, it. It's I, really I, awkward. I, it was awkward. It felt awkward. Anyway, Chris, <laughs> good to have you here today. Thanks for listening, y'all. And we'll talk to you soon.